Happy Easter, everyone. We've been working through this month on some metaphysical interpretations of Scripture from the New Testament. And so uh, we're going to do something a little different from Easter this year. Now, in a lot of churches, in fact, even here, often we have talked about the rebirth or the resurrection of Jesus as a, as a literal thing and what that could mean to us in terms of our own faith. Today, I'm going to set that aside for a moment. And in the same way that we interpreted forgiveness and some of the other teachings in the New Testament from the metaphysical standpoint, I'd like to invite us to do that with the whole concept of Easter today. So rather than thinking of a literal rebirth or, or a, a, little, a, a literal um, um, resurrection, let's think about it metaphorically. Let's think about what that can say to us as individual people. And so to do that, I thought one great place to start, of course, is with a joke. So a Sunday school teacher asked the children as they were on their way to join the adults in service, now children, why exactly are we quiet during the service? Well, first Jane popped up, because God speaks softly, she asked. Well, now that's partially right, said the teacher. Certainly in meditation, God might speak very softly, and so it's good that we should be listening. But you know, there's another reason. John popped up, because God rewards the meek, well, I'm not so sure about that, John, said the teacher, thinking about whether that might be true or not. Uh, but you know, there's a, there's a different answer. There's another reason. Susan, finally unable to contain herself, says, well, that's so obvious. We're quiet in church because people are sleeping. <laughs> you know what? I think that describes all of us. And it isn't that my sermons are deadly boring, although I have noticed, you know who you are, nodding off. But, uh, but I think we go through life often asleep. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain what I mean by that. Have you ever had that sense that the world is kind of controlling you, that, uh, that the world is setting things up either for you to succeed or to fail? Well, I have an idea about that. I think it's because we've given over a lot of our power, if you will. We've given over a lot of the way we think we should be to everybody else. Weren't we kind of trained from a very young age to have an idea of what being a, a parent is like or, or what it is to be married? Most often these are things we were taught by our parents without any kind of lesson plan involved, right? We just kind of took it all in and, and tried to evaluate it as best we can. And as we got older, of course, we had teachers and uh, friends at school that gave us an idea of everything from w uh, what romance should be like to uh, you know the idea of getting a job later in life, and I got to tell you, if you were told some of the things I was told, that was quite a setup, wasn't it? I think of this as sort of being asleep, allowing the people and the places, the events and the things that we run up against every day to have their say in our life. It's not that we're unconscious, you know, in a sense, but it's almost like we're just going to let the inertia of the universe carry us along. Well, sometimes it works out fine. Sometimes there's totally no problem with this. I mean, a lot of the lessons that we learned in school are very useful. A lot of the uh, relationships that we, that we might have made over the years are, are good role models. But are they us? 
Today we're going to talk about waking up. We're going to talk about waking up our minds and our hearts to experience something that is more uniquely personal to each one of us. My belief is that we don't have to do what society says. We have choices. We don't have to have a a marriage the way our parents did. We have choices. We don't have to have careers or ways of being in the world that are like our forefathers or our friends. Each of us has the choice to pick and choose the good from the bad, the, the useful from the not useful. But to make those choices, we have to be awake. We have to be alert. And when I think of this metaphor of waking up, of resurrection, of uh, uh, of standing for something, of not just going with the flow, I think that it takes two parts. I think there's two elements to it, and I want to take them in turn. First of all, there's a waking up of our mind, and by that I mean we need to be able to embrace new ideas. What I know is that our thoughts are creative, our, our uh, thinking patterns, our, our habits of being, that's what created our world the way it is right now. And all of us, I bet, are content with some parts of our lives and not so content with other parts of our lives, right? There, there are things that we could do better in, there are certain kinds of relationships that could be deeper, there could be more pleasure to be had, and, and more joy at work, you know, whatever it is, there are places where we're pretty content and places where we'd like more or a different experience. And I would suggest to you that if you keep thinking what you're thinking right now, it's not going to change. If we have the same thought patterns today that we had yesterday, if we have the same beliefs and ideas and carry forward in those tomorrow that we did today, we're going to get more of the same. And I would suggest, at least to a degree, that means we're asleep. It means we're signing up for the soup of the day, the, the bread du jour. It means we're going into the restaurant of life and just says, well, what, you know, whatever you've got for me today, I'll have it. I'm not satisfied with this, and I hope you're not. I hope that you are willing to wake up a bit. I hope that we're all willing to live a more intentional life, and I'm going to give you some ideas uh, on how to do this. But keep in mind, it means... You have to wake up. It means you have to be able to embrace something new because if you stick with the old, you'll get more of the same. So a wise person once said, the entire universe can be found in a drop of water. Have you heard that saying before? And you know what? I think literally it's true. I think a drop of water, just because of its very nature, has all the constituent elements that exist in the universe. It has uh, oxygen. It has uh, hydrogen in it. It has the the trace elements that that make up the universe. And and really, if you had enough of a, a drop of water, you could... Uh, create all of life itself. I think you can use that same principle in awakening your mind. And I want to illustrate it for a minute. I'm going to ask for someone to help me out. Sherry, would you be willing to just name... She's looking a little scared. She's going, why did he have to remember my name today? (laughs) Sherry, would you be willing just to name an object that you might find in like a desk drawer? A pencil. Okay. So take something as simple as a pencil. You could rummage around in a kitchen cabinet and just pull out anything and ask that object about an issue that's facing you right now. So let, let, me, let me see what Sherry's pencil has to say to me about love. Let's say I want to experience more love in my life. What can a pencil, 
What can any random object tell me about that? Well, let's see. A pencil. First of all, if you're like me, wasn't it awfully sweet when you got those notes from your mom when you first started school in your lunch bag? Mine were written in pencil. And I got to tell you, I remember the first couple years I was in school, I didn't even, couldn't even read very well. And so the teacher would read them to me. And she'd say, Larry, today it says, enjoy your friends. Or, or you know, this peanut butter was made with love. Or whatever it was. I still remember that. I know it's silly. But a pencil can absolutely mean love when we use it to bring about something lovely in the world. You know what else I know about pencils? Well, they do. I'm not going to... And we can talk about that in a minute. They're no good by themselves. You need paper. You need a pencil sharpener, right? Love is no good by itself. We need to be able to give it freely. We need to be able to enjoy it with other people. And when it's depleted, we need to have the sharpener. Do you know what I mean? We need to pay attention. And when the pencil gets down to a nub, you know, it's fine to a point. But when you find yourself like this, we should have plans for new people to be in our life. New ways of being. And the eraser, Suki, you're absolutely right. Certainly my pencil up here has an eraser on it. When things go wrong in a relationship, absolutely, there's the ability to undo and redo we are powerful. There is nothing in a relationship that cannot be made whole, no matter how badly it has gone. Another thing about pencils that I like is that they're sharp. And sometimes we need a little reminder about love too, don't we? Not to take it for granted. Not to just be in that lackadaisical measure of, well, yeah, of course she's my friend. Of course she's my wife. Of course she's my partner. There are times when we need a, a sharp reminder even that life is here because we participate with life. Love is here because we move forward in love. Do you see how easy it is to give myself ideas about how I can improve my love life just from a pencil? It is because the entire universe is contained in any of the pieces of it. Uh, I know a few Sundays ago, Star, when she did the opening prayer, referred to the universe and God as holographic. And I believe it's true. I absolutely believe it's true. If you want the answers to the secrets of life themselves, you don't need to go any further than look at a few objects in your purse and ask what they have to tell you. You don't have to go any further than your desk drawer or kitchen cabinet. The answers, of course, where are they? They're right here. You don't need a guru. You don't even need to read an excellent book by Louise Hay. I mean, they may be helpful. You don't need to come here on Sunday. I might be helpful. But the answers are here. And the newness is also here. Now, had I thought about a pencil equaling love? Not until Sherry brought it up. But that's one of the sweet things about this exercise is it's grounding us in newness. How can I bring about some sharp reminders when I need to of the people I love and, and how to treat them? How can I pay attention to when uh, my pencil's getting a little too short? How can I pay attention and how can I facilitate the idea of undoing mistakes and redoing them? The answers are here. 
if we but listen. The answers are here, if we're but willing to experience something new. This is just one example of how you can wake up into new ideas, you can wake up into a new way of being. Anything that's going wrong in your life, anything that you'd like to improve of your life is worthy of new ideas. It's worthy of a fresh start, it's worthy of waking up into a new kind of newness. You know, I was seeing a, a, a fellow a couple years ago that was having problems at work, and uh, he was describing to me a little bit about his process of finding jobs and, and what they were like, and what he kept describing was, well, he would look for want ads or, or find out about a job, and he'd apply for several of them, and, uh, and hope that they would kind of fit in with what he likes to do and what he viewed his expertise, and then he would get the job, and he'd say, but you know what, it seems like every time... Uh, you know, maybe I have a boss that's a good boss and I enjoy the work, or maybe I have a, a boss that isn't so good and I don't enjoy the work. It, it seems like I'm really um, just kind of repeating this situation over and over again, and before too long I don't really enjoy the job at all anymore. Well, maybe it's time to try something different. Now, in Science of Mind, all the time we talk about intentional living, I want to give you a secret that blows intentional living away. Sometimes all you need to do is make a random, different act. I know, you're stunned. But follow through with me on this for a second. We are used to the patterns of our lives, right? And we're used to the results we get from those patterns. If you want to experience something different, you have a 50-50 chance of it being something wonderful by trying anything. We need to be willing to take chances. We need to be willing to live large. We need to be willing to try something new, to have new thoughts, to be new and different. If we want to experience newness, it starts here. And our ability to try out something crazy, try out something wild, try out something that we haven't tried before is a precious gift. And I would say keep your intentions to how you would feel about the outcomes. Do you know what I mean? Have a really strong intention around feeling love and being able to give love to friends and family members. Have a really strong intention about your utility and usefulness in the world and how you want to show up to be the, the hands and the, and the arms of God doing great things in the world. Have high intentions about that. But you could almost take a random walk around how to approach it. Because when your high intentions are at the level of feeling, when your high intentions are at the level of, of, of like a quality of God, like the children we're talking about this morning, when your highest intention is love or when your highest intention is joy, the world will sort out how to give that to you as long, as long as you're willing to step out of the paths that are keeping you from having joy now. And it can almost be something random. Just do something different. So, so much for intentional living. Do you know what I mean? It's like if we want something new, then the new thoughts have to come and we have to be willing to take a risk. The other thing that I want to talk about today, in addition to opening our mind, and in addition to awakening to new thoughts, lies a little bit south of the mind. One of the things that I observe day in and day out that keeps us from experiencing love, that it keeps us from experiencing more abundance or joy or, or bliss or, or, or enjoying the jobs we're in is because this little fella here, our heart, 
has been closed off. This is an area where we are going to have to take some risks. If we want the big payback of unconditional love, if we want the huge payback of seeing our lives blossom forth in joy and in peace, our heart needs to be as big as possible. Our heart needs to be able to receive at all. And in order to do that, we have to kind of unburden it, unshield it, open it up to strangeness and newness. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking about that one boyfriend that was really uh, <clears throat> not a pleasant experience. Or you're thinking about that, that first marriage or, or maybe someone that was very close to you that betrayed you or gave you some problems. Is this worth closing your life off to love though you know all of us over the years have experienced some hurt in relationship or in family uh, experienced some betrayals at work or by a friend but if we allow that to to put a lock and a chain over our heart it isn't just that our relationships that will suffer have you ever known someone with a such a tight heart with with such an, an unforgiving nature or such a smallness in their heart my gosh all sorts of good are denied from them right their lives feel small they 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 feel like there's lack and oppression in their world and and it's not just relationships it's it's work it's uh, it, it's being able to to fulfill your your true dreams in life when the heart is closed, we cannot move forward. So I also have a suggestion for opening our heart a little bit. And it was uh, uh, such a blessing to, to see the kids this morning. I would like you to picture yourself as a very young person. Uh, picture yourself along with me attending our very first day of school ever. And let's assume you've got your lunch with you and your mom has written a, a really sweet note in it that maybe the teacher will read later. But you know what? Your first day is a little scary, isn't it? If you're like me, my first day, I was missing mom. I don't know how to say it any plainer than that. I was a little scared. I was a little anxious. And mostly I wanted my mom to be there. So let's fast forward to the second day at school. At the second day of school, I still didn't kind of feel right. I was used to my habits at home, and I kept not really being sure when the lunchtime was going to be, and it still felt really weird, and I would have said I would have rather been at home. The secret, I think, is day three. On day three, I remember getting off the bus and running in running up to someone and saying, hi, my name's Larry, would you be my friend? I remember I had already let go of worrying about what mom was doing. I had let go of my habits of being at home and just the idea of unfettered joy and doing something new and all those kids had me running up to perfect strangers and saying, I'm Larry, would you be my friend? This is the open heart. How do we reclaim that? Maybe we have to go about it with the childlike mind. Maybe we have to go up to people like, uh, like Sharon. Would you be my friend? Yes. <laughs> I know. She's like, Larry, please. <laughs> but I want to suggest, 
I would like to suggest to you that it is that childlike quality of being that's going to bring the love back to your life, that's going to bring back newness to your life. It is living from that zealousness. Did you see, I, I, I forget, was it Jacory, the, the little boy that immediately ran up and was like getting the microphone? Do you know what I mean? There was no fear there. There was no sense of, well, is this the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? That unfettered freedom of knowing that life is to be had, that life is to be enjoyed, that love is present with the open heart and the fresh mind. This is what I wish for each person in this room today. And I'm going to give you just the tiniest bit of homework. You know, sometimes I like to assign homework. And so your homework this week is to approach some new situation or maybe some situation that needs some revitalizing. So whether it's a group of people that you haven't seen in a long time or, or whether it's your same old day at work, I want you to think about that first day of school. Now remember the, the first day a little scary because mom isn't there. And that's the way that's the way that sometimes our jobs or, or our lives or our families end up being, right? A little scary because the newness is new. And let's not think about day two, because on day two, that those old habits are still dying hard in you. It feels uncomfortable to be a little different. But I want you to have that enthusiasm of day three at school, when you can walk up to perfect strangers and say, my name is Larry, would you be my friend? Now, it might sound a little different. Uh, I don't want people to look at you like Sharon looked at me exactly, you know. So it might take the form of, hi, my name is Larry, and, uh, and what could I do to help make this job uh, more exciting today? It might be, hi, my name is Larry, and, uh, and I would like to try something a little different today. Have you thought that we could share some ideas about uh, this job? You know, we haven't done that in a long time. We haven't had a brainstorming session at work in a long time. Let's just share some ideas. You're important to me, and I'd like to hear what's on your mind. It might take some, some fresh and new turns, and you might make a mistake, right? You're not guaranteed that all 35 of those children do want to be your friend, and that's okay. <laughs> but I bet most of them do. I bet most people on the planet here would not only enjoy each one of you, but that you could make a huge difference in their lives as well. So that's your homework this week. Very simple. Put yourself in that childlike way of being in some situation that's maybe been a little tricky or it's gotten a little stale. Think of what the equivalent to, hi, my name is Larry, is would you be my friend? Think about what the equivalent that would be in that situation. That's your homework. So we've talked about awakening our minds. We've talked about awakening the heart. And now we're going to uh, embark upon an Easter ritual that I, that I hope you'll enjoy. Uh, Reverend Sharon and... Um, um, uh, Kate Barrett and I are going to each um, have a little spot up here in the front where we would like to dedicate some new way of being, some awakeness to each one of you individually. So I know that band members are going to get ready and the vocalists are getting ready to anchor this in music. But in the meantime, I would like each person in this room, and, and maybe close your eyes, think about a way that you would like your, your life to be different or improved. Just a simple way, some kind of a simple affirmation in your own mind of how you would like your, your world to be different, how you would like it to be improved. 
This is the newness that I'm going to ask each one of us to embrace. And those people who would like, we'll invite them to come forward. We can kind of form a line down the aisle uh, next to the window here and kind of circle our way out through the other aisle. Sharon and Kate and I are each going to listen to what your desire for newness is this year and bless you for it. So shall we get started? Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. I call it God, but it doesn't really matter what you call it. You can call it life, you can call it love, you can call it Jehovah, you can call it that Christ presence. Life is good, and that power and presence of God is here. And so I would like to anchor into that awareness of goodness, all of the intentions for newness brought forward today, the greater expansions of love, of joy, of peace, of courage, of wisdom, of beauty, that each person's desire for newness this day, so spoken, so blessed, is planted like a seed in this fertile spring soil. God responds. And so I am grateful for the uplifting of this congregation. I'm grateful for the uplifting of the, the energy of spring, of rebirth, of renewal, of waking up into the greatness of each person here through the newness, through the joy, through the love. I'm grateful for this. I let it be, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you were here today.